0: is real. power in your name. We trust in Jesus
1: is real. When we think about the decisions that we make in our lives, each one of us, every single moment of our lives, we stand at a crossroads and I don't just say that because that's the name of our church. It's true though. We stand at this crossroads and we make decisions about our lives and we need to think consequentially about our actions. That if I do this, it's going to end up here, here and here. But oftentimes because we want things, we have the desires of the body, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. Because we have all these things and we want all these things, we end up getting short-sighted.
0: Many conflicts are messy when it's one person's word against another's. If someone is willing to lie, the problem worsens. As we'll hear today, God's solution to this problem, as He presented the loss to His people, was to have the parties involved take an oath. As Pastor Daniel shares today, a healthy fear of God is a good thing. If you're walking with the Lord, you shouldn't be comfortable taking an oath and lying in front of your Heavenly Father. Now, here's Pastor Daniel with part two of his message entitled Properties and Principles.
1: A wealthy family in that culture would have just one ox. It was very strong animal, whereas a the sheep, they, they're not good for as much. You can shear them, you can do some other things with them, but an ox was a very important part of an average family there. So it was even it was considered even more valuable. In a lot of ways, we see this in our own penal system where if somebody takes something. From somebody and they end up losing their life for it That is seen seen as more detrimental to their life Than maybe something a little bit less important So it's the same kind of a concept But it is a restitution style So if you intentionally steal from somebody You steal their ox And you either sell it Or you slaughter it and eat it for food You owe five oxen You can imagine if you stole an ox It's probably because you don't have one If you have to make restitution for five oxen Then you're going to have to work for that You see how that goes same thing, if you're stealing the sheep and you don't have any sheep, you need to restore four sheep, fourfold restoration, you're gonna to have to go to work for it. Now, what does all this teach us? As a quick aside, is that crime don't pay. It just doesn't. And you know what? You, you bring that into the spiritual realm and really what we have to remember is that sin isn't worth it either. Sin gives a false facade of fulfillment. It gives a false sense of of enjoyment, the Bible's honest. It says that sin is pleasurable for a season, which means it is enjoyable in the near term, but in the long term, it ends up eating you from the inside out. It eats you alive. It hollows you out. And all of us in here on some level can resonate with that because we've all been there. You think, wow, that sounds really fun. And then you do it and it is fun until it's no longer fun. And so we have to realize that. That oftentimes in the heat of the moment, that sheep really looks good until you have to restore fourfold. And you're like, you know, I probably shouldn't even have messed with the sheep. The ox was, oh yeah, I really wanted an ox. Like, I really like that ox meat. You know, I make a little ox bud chili. Mm-mm. But then when you have to restore fivefold and you're working for the rest of your life to try and pay that debt back, you think to yourself, was it really worth it? And so when we think about the decisions that we make in our lives, each one of us, every single moment of our lives, we stand at a crossroads. And I don't just say that because that's the name of our church. It's true, though. We stand at this crossroads and we make decisions about our lives. And we need to think consequentially about our actions. That if I do this, it's going to end up here, here, and here. But oftentimes, because we want things, we have the desires of the body, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, Because we have all these things and we want all these things, we end up getting short-sighted. We know that Adam and Eve, that tree looked great, but there was a lot of fruit that they could have eaten, and it was all good. They had liberty for all of it. But guess what they got when they ate the, the forbidden fruit? There was a severing in their relationship with each other, with God, and with themselves. And you know that if they would have known that before they did it, would they have done it? That hindsight was 2020, right? So for us as Christians, as people who have received the grace of God and have the Spirit of God in us, telling us a new way to live, we need to have foresight, that's 2020. Crime doesn't pay, sin doesn't pay. In the end of the day, the restitution will be worse than we want it to be. And the beauty is, is that because of the finished work of Jesus, no matter what we've done, we have forgiveness. And in the heat of the moment, God has given each one of us an escape route. That's what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. That no temptation has overcome a person such as is common to all people. And that in all ways, God has given an escape route. So brother, sister, listen. In that moment of trial, of temptation, take the escape route. If you're here tonight... And you've already taken the wrong way. Repent—that's the biblical word for turning around and going back. There's no harm in saying I went down the wrong path. I'm going to turn around and come back, and I'm going to try and fix this. But what we most of us do is we start getting down the road, and we know that we're down a wrong road. And because we're so far down the road, we just keep going. And you know what ends that? Know where that road ends in a train wreck. It ends in a train wreck. So, brother, sister, turn around. Think consequentially about what the implications of what we are doing are. If the person who was tempted to steal an ox were to think, well, if I get caught, and there's probably a good chance that I will, because everybody around here knows I ain't got an ox. When they see me with an ox, they're like, That ain't yours. We we know that ox isn't yours. Right? They don't have to restore fivefold. So when you think that way, It's not wrong the fear of punishment to deter us from doing wrong. That's not a wrong thing. That's actually quite logical. I do this with my kids all the time. I love my kids. They're so cute, but they're little sinners. They learned it from their mom. (laughs) Now, let's be honest. Those of you who know my wife, we all know that's not true, right? (laughs) Right? we we know that i weigh those scales a little bit harder on the uh, on the rebellious side but but you know it's like you sit down and you're like now listen if you, you know what's going to happen if you do that right and like you know cuz we've taught them like hey if this if this happens then this is going to happen we want our kids to realize that there are consequences for their actions right i think that's a good way to raise a child say listen mom and dad aren't going to be able to fix everything you got to realize if you do that it's, something bad's going to happen so i sit down and they start i see you can see it in their eyes you know because, you know, I'm a sinner too, so I can see the sinner look. You know, they're just, they're eyeing it up a little bit. You're like, ah, oh, I know what's going on here. And I say, you know, I'll say, you know, it's my daughter. said, say, Maranatha, should you be thinking about doing that? And she'll be like, you know, all cute with her little big tails, Like, no. I'm like, but you're thinking about it, right? And she's just like, mm-hmm. And She's so cute, you know. And, and, but then you're just like, but if you do that, you know what's going to happen? hmm we better think about what you're going to do because there's going to be, every action has a reaction. And I would love to say that my perfect little cherubim, get it all right, but we know how that goes sometimes. But we have to think consequentially about our lives. We have to think consequentially because guess what? If we make the wrong decisions, there are consequences for those decisions. But the way back is paved with grace by God. And I love that about the Lord. The Lord is not given up on you. He doesn't think that you're a lost cause. He knows exactly what's in you. Jesus knows what's in each one of our hearts. He knows that we're but dust. He knows that we're prone to wander like a sheep. And he still loves us and he still comes for us and he still beckons us to respond to him and come back. So brother, sister, tonight, just come back to Jesus. Just respond to him by turning from the rebellion. Just return to him and he's just waiting for you. He's waiting for you with arms wide open. Loving you that much on the cross. He's saying, just just come back. And no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, he's still for you, not against you. When Jesus went on the cross, he already knew you were going to get involved in the stuff that you've been involved in. He knows that I'm going to be involved in the stuff that I've been involved in in my life. And he still came and he still died. And I think that's wild. I think God's grace is unbelievable that God would know all this with full knowledge and still say, yep, I'm going to still take that punishment Because that's the kind of God I am. God rolls that way with an everlasting love for you and for me. I think that's amazing. So think consequentially. Realize that there are consequences to our actions. Now in verses 2 and 3. Here of chapter 22, we're talking about justifiable homicide, specifically at night. Look at what it says. If a thief is found breaking in and he is struck so that he dies, there shall be no guilt for his bloodshed. If the sun has risen on him, there shall be guilt for his bloodshed. He should make full restitution. If he has nothing, then he should be sold for his theft. Now, notice that. Now, you got to realize this was long before motion lights, lights in your house, If somebody came in your house to steal in the middle of night, there's a good chance you can't see in that culture long before this, all the cool things that we have now, like alarm systems and all this stuff. So there's a good chance that if someone breaks in your house, you might use justifiable force. And if that happens, if it's the middle of the night and you can't see, then you are not punished for that death. But if it happens in the daytime, according to verse 3, when you can see and you know what's going on, then if you... Take a thief's life Then you're actually going to have to pay for that Why? Because when the sun is out You can see Now if, of course if they have a weapon That's a whole different scenario But if someone's just breaking in In the middle of the night you can't see In the daytime you can see And so you can't use excessive force So there's a differentiation Based on the decreased ability To be able to see at night So that's why that sits the way that it does In verse 4 If the theft is certainly found alive in his hand, whether it is an ox or donkey or sheep, he shall restore double. So again, we have this idea of restitution. Verse 5. If a man causes a field or vineyard to be grazed and lets loose his animal and it feeds in another man's field, he shall make restitution from the best of his own field and the best of his own vineyard. This speaks, of course, of damages due to neglect. So you can imagine if you had, like it's like if you have a brand new sodded lawn and you invite me over and we bring over our three-year-old black lab named Molly and Molly loves to dig and you have your nice lawn and I know Molly's a digger because you can come and see where she hangs out and there's it's Pothole City because that's how she has her fun by digging. If I bring my dog over and it ruins your sodded lawn, then guess what? Then I need to come give you some nice new sod. That's what it's saying. So if I let my animal out in your field and my animal trashes your field and I have to restore and I can't give you the garbage from my field or my vineyard, I have to give you the best of what I've got. I love this because this speaks of the proper respect for the property of others. See, this is what I love about Jesus because Jesus and the Bible always gives people the opportunity to own things and that we should respect somebody's ownership. But what Jesus also does is he say, listen, I want you to give it all away. I want you to hold it with open hands. I have given it to you as a way of blessing. Now, when I say you have to give it all away, I don't believe that Jesus asked every single one of us to give everything away. I believe he asks all of us to hold it with open hands so that he can distribute it as he wants to. Which means it's really not ours and it never really was. 100% of it is of the Lord's. And the Lord will say, look, I want you to do this with that. I want you to do this with that. Hey, I want you to do this with that. And you can say, Lord, I kind of want to do this with that too. And the Lord might say is, yeah, you can do that too, but I want you to do this also with it. Because it's all his. So God respects our right to property, but we also realize that because he's God, he gets to administer our property as he sees fit. Because we are not our own. And I think it's an interesting balance for us to, find, to try and strike that balance between the two. Look at what happens in verse 6. Again, damages due to neglect. If a fire breaks out and catches in thorns, so that stacked grain, standing grain, or a field is consumed, he who kindled the fire shall surely make restitution. So, in that day, if you're burning your, your trash a fire breaks out and you started it and it trashes your neighbor's yard, then you got to go and take care of it for them. Because your neglect, your mistake ruins somebody else's property. You should make proper restitution for them. Now, verse 7. If a man delivers to his neighbor money or articles to keep and it is stolen out of the man's house, If the thief is found, he shall pay double. If the thief is not found, then the master of the house shall be brought to the judges to see whether he has put his hand into his neighbor's goods. Now, you can imagine this scenario. Somebody lends something to you, right? So let's say, I'll give an example. I borrowed my neighbor's chainsaw the other day. Because I'm from New Jersey. We don't really do chainsaws where I'm from. It's true, you know. At least where I was grew up, people didn't have saw, You know, my neighbor had a chainsaw, and he lent it to me. Very kind of him, so that I can I can get some chainsawing going on. Is that even is that even a word? Chainsawing? Yeah, that's what I was doing. That was funny. Lynn was laughing at me, you know. And so I'm chainsawing now. If somebody breaks in my garage and steals the chainsaw, you can imagine the dilemma. Because it's really my neighbor's chainsaw, but I got robbed as well. So what happens in that type of a scenario? Notice what it says. If the thief is found, that thief should make restitution. Right? He shall pay double. So if he stole one chainsaw, the guy gets two chainsaws. That's the restitution. But if the thief is not found, then they need to go before the judges to see whether he has put his hand to his neighbor's goods. So now you have a situation that there needs to be something worked out because now We don't know who took it. I'm saying it got stolen. This guy lends it to me. How do we deal with that? So you go before another group of people to make a decision on what the right way, excuse me, to handle that situation is. Verse nine, for any kind of trespass, whether it concerns an ox, a donkey, a sheep, or clothing, or for any other claims to be his, the case of the cause of both parties, verse nine in the middle, shall come before the judges and whomever the judges condemn shall pay double to his neighbor. If a man delivers to his neighbor a donkey, an ox, a sheep, or any animal to keep, and it dies, is hurt, or is driven away, no one seeing it, then the oath of the Lord shall be between them both, that he has put his hand into his neighbor's goods, and the owner of it shall accept that, and he shall not make it good. But if, in fact, it was stolen from him, he shall make restitution to the owner of it. If it is torn to pieces by a beast, verse 13, then he shall bring it as evidence and he shall not make good what was torn. And if a man borrows anything from his neighbor and it becomes injured or dies, the owner of it not being with it, he shall surely make it good. If its owner was with it, he shall not make it good. If it was hired, it came for its hire. Now, this speaks about property responsibility disputes. And really what it boils down to is this, is that there are certain situations that happen, and ultimately, if somebody borrows something and it gets stolen, ultimately, they need to take an oath before the Lord. Now, I thought this was beautiful when I, when I read this, because it reminded me of something that i just seen. We have a great school here called Cornerstone Christian School And the superintendent is a guy I love a ton and, and I really respect him And there was a situation that had gone on That as a pastor I ended up getting looped into For some counsel So there was a situation between two kids You know, and they were trying to sort out Exactly what went on And I'll never forget it Because I went in there And the superintendent of our school Got down on both knees And said, listen, you guys God knows exactly what happened God knows what happened and you both know what happened. And I believe that you guys are going to tell me exactly what God already knows went on. So, like, so I'm going to pray. And then you guys are going to talk. And then he bowed his head and we prayed. And then one of the kids said, I did it. And I thought to myself, now that's some righteous parenting right there. Because it takes a lot of darkness and hardness in our hearts to pray and take an oath in God's name and lie about it. Don't get me wrong. People can do it. But it was beautiful watching these two fourth graders not be able to do it. Because this one guy said, I did it. Because he knew that God knew. And he wasn't going to lie to us knowing that God knew. And it was interesting. Right as he said, I did it, the other kid said, I totally forgive you. And I thought to myself, now this is, this is the way it's supposed to be. Out of the mouth of babes. And that's what they get into here. They're like, look, if we can't figure out what's going on, then you're going to take an oath before the Lord with the intention that the fear of the Lord will keep people from lying. And we know that the Bible says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. It's the beginning of knowledge. And one of the biggest issues I believe we have in our Western culture, it's a lot of amazing things, but one of the biggest problems we have is we don't fear the Lord. Our culture does not fear God because God is long-suffering in his judgment. And so because we don't fear God, we act as if God doesn't exist. And guess what? God sees everything. He knows exactly what's going on. And that fear of the Lord keeps us from doing a lot of really dumb things. So this speaks all of these about different issues with property and disputes about property. Now, look at what happens. Now we're moving into a principle section. This speaks of social responsibility and justice. Verse 16, if a man entices a virgin who is not betrothed and lies with her, he shall surely pay the bride price for her to be his wife. And if her father utterly refuses to give her to him, he shall pay money according to the bride price of virgins. Now, this speaks about premarital sex and the bride price. So if there's a gal, she's a virgin, a man, Entices her to lie with her Seduces her Right They are not married They're not betrothed to be married When that happens The man who did this is responsible To pay the bride price Now we spoke about this last week Paying the bride price In this culture Like oh that's degraded to women They treat her as mere property But that was not the way it was understood In ancient Israeli culture Or the near eastern In fact In fact the bride price was an honor. The fact that your family valued you so much that in order for you to become part of someone else's family, they needed to be well compensated. That's not a demeaning thing at all. And it's interesting that you never paid a groom price. I'm surprised you ladies don't laugh at that. I mean, I I think you get a lot of miles out of that. Listen, man, you'd have to pay my dad for me, but your dad gave you away. I mean, that's just... I don't know. Later, you guys will wake up in the middle of the night laughing, realizing that I am hysterical, but that's all right. But notice, in God's eyes, that union between a man and a woman, that in God's eyes, it's almost like being married. It's not being married because it's sin, but it's like being married. That's how highly God values it. Now, listen, I want to let you know we live in a culture that has got sexuality so screwed up at this point. It's like, we don't even have a clue. We don't know I have a clue about what a woman is. I mean, we value women who talk like dirty men. We think that's cool. Like, I remember when Madonna first became popular and she was doing all this stuff. And I'm just thought to myself, what's beautiful about this? She's grabbing her crotch like a man, like seriously? Like, that's attractive? That was 20 years ago. You see the stuff that's going on now. So, I'll be honest with you guys. Looking at Western culture to understand sexuality, femininity, or masculinity, that's a lost cause. We have this thing so upside down. We have an event coming June 8th. If you know people, but teenagers, middle schoolers, we have an event coming called the O2 Experience coming here. And it's all because you look at the statistics. Almost 95% of guys by the age of 18 have already lost their virginity and almost three quarters of women by the time they're 18 have lost their virginity. One in four girls have a sexually transmitted disease. One in four. And our culture is pumping this, pumping it. It's all day, every day, through every media and brothers, sisters, it is scary. And I say this, I went through that. I didn't grow up in a Christian home. I didn't know about and all this stuff. Man, I remember when I was 12 years old and my father walked in and handed me a condom and said, listen, just better not get anyone pregnant. 12 years old. And and listen, my dad was doing the best he knew how. I was loved, but he didn't get what the Bible talks about, about morality. About what sexuality is really about. What the union of a man and woman is really about. It's not just about physicality.
0: Jesus is... Today, Pastor Daniel addressed the consequences for wrong decisions and the grace available through Jesus. From the laws about animals to sexual responsibility, God took human nature into account when he gave the commands to protect and provide. God is doing some amazing things with Jesus is Real Radio. It's our vision to see Jesus is Real Radio on more radio stations worldwide. And to help change lives across the globe. You can help see this vision come to life by sending a gift of any amount to 7708 Northeast 78th Street, Vancouver, Washington 98662. Again, to send a gift of any amount to Jesus Is Real Radio, simply send your gift to 7708 Northeast 78th Street, Vancouver, Washington 98662. Jesus is Real Radio is the radio ministry of Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. The messages that you hear each day here on Jesus is Real Radio were produced from messages that Pastor Daniel shared on Sunday mornings and the midweek study. It's our prayer that this teaching from God's Word blessed and encouraged you in your walk with Jesus Christ. Place a marker in your Bibles and join us next time as Pastor Daniel addresses the issue of sexual purity as we hear about when God first gave the laws to his people we'll consider how our culture has drifted so far from God's way. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. On behalf of Pastor Daniel and the entire production team, we invite you to join us again for the next edition of Jesus Is Real Radio.